Now, the Trail Talk Podcast. Anything and everything snowmobiling. From UpstateSnow.com. Here's meteorologist Rich Lupia. It's Trail Talk Podcast. It is January 11th, 2022. And my guest here on the Trail Talk Podcast is the former owner of UpstateSnow.com. Actually, the only other owner of UpstateSnow.com besides yours truly. He is the owner of MapledaleMotors.com in Barneveld, New York. Dave Gleesman, live in the flesh. How are you, sir? I'm good, Rich. You? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you joining me for this podcast here. It's January. The snow is finally flying. We're finally starting to get some trails open. It just seems like the snowmobile seasons are getting shorter and shorter over the last uh, couple of years in particular here. Um, from your experience with the clubs, how is that playing into the clubs in terms of um, trail signage? There was the later hunting season for the Southern Zone, which affected you guys at Penn Mountain uh, the, you know, this past winter. Go a little bit more into um, you know, stuff with the club and uh, how that affected you guys. Yeah, the late last couple of years, I mean, it's been six to eight weeks of, of riding and actual grooming. If we're lucky, it feels like um, the late hunt this year definitely uh, kept things at bay. You know, we were trying to let the hunters have their season. You don't want to be out there while they're uh, doing their thing. Um, but uh, we get along with everybody and, and try and get what signs we can up. And, uh, you know, a few little spots will get filled in here. I know just the last few days. And uh, just in time for uh, a fresh blanket of snow this morning. Well, uh, one good thing about the good blanket of snow that we just got is is that it's going to get us out, um, you know, on the trails. Many of us are going to get our first rides in coming into Martin Luther King weekend, and especially going into the second half of January. For those that are going riding for the first time, especially um, in some areas where um, the trail system is just open. There really wasn't a whole lot of base, and now we got all this lake effect white gold sitting on the ground. What would be your advice to the families, to the first-time riders especially, and those just getting out for the first time, even though it's already mid-January? Well, first thing, always check with the club where you're riding. Um, you know, I saw a few people go by at the shop today out riding. I don't think Deerfield's open yet behind us. Uh, I know Penn Mountain they're still checking gates. Um, there's animals out in Quaker Hill. So just because there's snow on the ground doesn't mean everything's ready to go. Um, and I would also advise you, if you're going to check with the club, if they're open, check to see where they need your help too. Um, as always, there's uh, the same 10 people that do a lot of stuff and they need help. Every, every club needs help. Penn Mountain and every other club in the state. I'm sure of it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that is that is totally the truth. That is totally the truth. And one trend that I've seen in clubs the past couple of years, especially with my close relationship with Saratoga and with um, Turn Ridge Riders and Southern Tug Hill, there's a lot of people in clubs now. These clubs are not local anymore. A lot of the people that are officers in the clubs and a lot of people that are doing work in the clubs, they have second homes up in these areas where the clubs are, 
and some of them are driving in from 90 minutes, two hours, three hours, four hours away, and still taking care of all the club business up here, and people expect them to be local. That is not something that we saw 10, 20 years ago around here. No, uh, we don't have a bunch of that in our club, but I know uh, the circumstances in some of the other clubs, and uh, that's uh, it's going to be almost a, a nerve-wracking feeling for those guys being hours away, um, trying to keep uh, an eye and a hand on what's going on. Um, but uh, it's really just you know common sense and, and uh, you know kind of neighborly love, like hey. The, tra the, the trails aren't going to open until everything's done and everything's safe. So if you want to see it happen, lend a hand. Absolutely, for sure. Now, um, one thing that we talked about the last time that you were on the podcast, we talked about some really good uh, snowmobile stories. Uh, you know, one of the greatest things about snowmobiling is getting together with you, with Spadero, with... Um, you know, with all kinds of other guys, um, you know, there's like 10 people that have just popped into my mind right now. Darren, Jim, Bill, uh, Gordy. I, I just think of, I, I just think of all the guys that, you know, I've gone riding with the past couple of years up there. And obviously it takes a lot of planning going into it. I want you to give me some snowmobile stories, especially from the last few years, of times to where it was just better than expected and times to where literally the wheels just fell off. <laughs> well, for me personally, uh, you know, my son will be five next month and I've had a lot of fun sharing uh, snowmobiles and uh, the sport with him. Uh, he's got a little Z120 and we were out making some tracks today. Uh, that for me has been just icing on the cake. I, I love snowmobiles, but to... Uh, to do it with him and some of our other friends that have uh, children, uh, you know, so we kind of do like the boys do a no work Wednesday and we all go ride and try and put out a couple hundred miles. Uh, and Sunday is the family ride. We do 20 miles an hour. Uh, we try and incorporate breakfast or, or lunch somewhere and uh, hot cocoa. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I never would have guessed you could have had that much fun just, just tooling around your local, local trails. So, that's been a lot of fun. Last year, I did uh, one big run that was a lot of fun uh, from Barneveld uh, up to Forest Port across C4H over to uh, um, Oxbow Inn, had lunch there, and then up to Speculator, um, Indian Lake, over Moose River Plains, back through Old Forge and down the tracks. I think it was 220-some some miles. Uh, with a good group of guys, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and it was a really nice day. The epic loop—that's the one that I want to do. The epic loop uh, from before sunrise to after sunset, and looping all the way through. And the thing is, C4H—that's the backwoods trail going through North Lake and going all the way down, coming into Haskell's from the backside. That's remote back there. That's one of the most remote areas that you can get in the state. You think Polly is remote. You think Moose River Plains is remote. Even on some of the dead-end trails, you're not far from people. You go on C4H, you're all alone. Yeah, it's uh, there's some pretty neat scenery back there, but uh, it is remote and maintenance is little. Um, I know in the last couple of years they've added uh, some runs, I think, to make that a little more groomable and wider, but it's still 
more or less a goat path through the woods with a bunch of moguls. It was it was steep and deep the day we went through it, and uh, um, it was fun. It was fun to experience it. Believe it or not, as much as I've ridden here in New York, I had never been on C4H uh, till last year. So it had always been kind of been on the list of things to do. Uh, or places to go see, but uh, yeah, really neat. If you're ever uh, in that neighborhood and, and want to go across, uh, make sure you have plenty of fuel and time and go do it. It's fun. Another one crossed off on Dave's bucket list: C4H. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and check yeah. in, check in with Ohio Ridge Riders and with Trackside uh, for conditions on both of them and whether or not that is accessible. Just based on the snowfall that we've had right now, probably not right now. Probably need another event or two to really um, to really get that snow going uh, up there. Now I want to pinwheel back to the family ride, the 20 miles an hour, the hot cocoa, and just tooling around back and forth, and just how much fun that is. So, is there really a ton of planning that goes into it, or do you literally just wing it? Um, we kind of wing it. Um. We like to stay local on those days. You know, I don't, I don't want to go up to uh, Tug Hill and, and get in lines of traffic. And uh, it's a little more uh, slow pace for us on Sundays. So we'll stay, you know, South Trenton, Marcy, uh, Floyd, you know, those kind of the, the lowest areas uh, of the northern tier, I guess I would say uh, anything north of the thruway. But, uh, you know, it's amazing how the snow will get a little thinner through there. Um it's just uh, a little more relaxing uh, as far as taking the kids and, and having a good time. All right. So um, tell me a little bit more about um, what you think the future of snowmobiling is. Now, obviously, from the weather side, we've been struggling to get the snowfall. We've been struggling to have as long of winters as we had a decade ago, much less two decades ago, uh, where it seemed like snowmobile season was forever. It was literally three, four plus months now we're getting down to six you know six seven weeks if we're lucky um what do you see as the future of the sport and what do you see as the greatest threat to the sport uh at this point in your chair in 2022 the greatest future um i don't know um i hope people uh continue to ride and buy sleds you know it's it's um it's almost kind of a head scratcher to see the price of some of these snowmobiles um as you see the weeks get shorter and shorter of the riding season uh this the winter of 2003 uh mike sperrero and i rode november 6th on tug hill um it was a freak snowstorm and we probably shouldn't have been out on the dirt roads but we did and uh, we were riding down here the first week of April. So we had a solid six months of riding, which almost seems foreign now. Like, I'm not sure we'll ever see that again. Um, but, uh, yeah, as the seasons get shorter, you definitely need to uh, um, get your machines ready to go and uh, take advantage of, of every chance you get to go ride and uh, uh, make the most of it. All right, so uh, what about the biggest threat that you see right now? Do you think it's really the cost and the fact that the seasons are getting shorter? Do you think that that's just starting to squeeze a lot of people out? Yeah, I, I don't think that, no. I think uh, the biggest threat is trail closures. Uh, private property um, seems increasingly uh, evident every year. Someone is uh, upset, a trail gets closed, Um 
it's a few bad apples, but uh, it's becoming a problem, in my opinion. Okay, so let's talk about the the bad apples out there. And we know this, you know, the people that just uh, brap and just, you know, just, you know, go full throttle, break the trails up, just go absolutely crazy and ride without regard, blow people off of trails. And, you know, I've seen it out there riding thousands of miles. I've seen it out there. I've had some close calls. Uh, Zach's had some close calls. Um, I don't think people realize how few places this needs to happen to tick off enough of those private property owners to be able to literally get to the point to where you not only shut down trails, but potentially wipe out clubs. Yeah. Um, I don't know what percentage is on private property, but it's a lot. Uh, in much of the state. Um, I don't think it's even so much um, reckless people on the trail. I think when people go off the trail, um, you know, I, there was just the other day somebody going around a, a trail closed sign, opening gates when they're not supposed to, all that just, uh, it's not needed. You know, it goes back to get a hold of the club. They'll let you know when the trail's open. Uh, people were out there spending their time to sign it you know, to, to make entryways and exits and, and uh, you know, really define the trail. And, and if you're just off playing on your own and, and being where you're not supposed to be, that usually gets uh, uh, the club a phone call from the landowner. Yeah, almost every, t- almost every time, almost every time. All right, so um, there's one final question that I have for you, especially being the former owner of, of upstate snow um what do you see as and this is kind of a i don't want to say a self-grandizing question but uh, you've seen the work that i've put into upstate snow since taking it back over this is now my third season the second time around taking it back over and running it and Zach and I are going to be up. We're going to get some footage. Uh, we're planning on coming up, you know, later this winter to get some footage and to, um, you know, really, you know, help build out some nice promos and stuff. Uh, we've obviously got more and more people following us. What do you think is the, what do you think is the best thing that Upstate Snow has going? And what do you think the best opportunity is out there? Well. Uh, you certainly have amassed a good following on Facebook. I mean, that is certainly where a lot of people, uh, I know myself, you know, I'll see you in the feed and click, and and that's kind of the jumping off point for probably a lot of your web traffic, uh, I would imagine. Um, You have good in-depth forecasts. Um, You know, I owned the site, but uh, I was not the weather guy. I mean, as we all know, I I simply was the one just trying to keep everything moving, but... uh, uh, you have great forecasts. I mean, uh, even somebody like myself who, who doesn't have any meteorology background or even scientific background, uh, I enjoy reading the articles uh, in the blog and, um, you know, getting a little better understanding for what's happening and why. Um, I really like the video and the podcast. I think that's a great way to engage people. Um, I don't know. Just, uh, I think everything you're doing is really just uh, working together uh, to keep getting the, the word out there and uh, 
sharing your love of snow with other snow lovers. Hey, absolutely. And we're going to use that as the point to wrap up this podcast. The former owner of UpstateSnow.com, Penn Mountain Snow Riders, MapledaleMotors.com, Barneveld, New York. If you need car, truck, SUV, or minivan, Dave is the one to see. He'll always good, take good care of you in upstate New York. Dave Gleesman, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Trail Talk Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rich. All right. You've been listening to the Trail Talk Podcast here on UpstateSnow.com, where it's always thanks snow. For listening. For more podcasts and videos, visit UpstateSnow.com.